God's intervention in my life. That's what I'm calling my talk this morning because it was definitely his intervention in my life. I'm not going to preach. I'm going to just talk with you and tell you where the Lord brought me from at a point in my life when I really didn't deserve it. But let me give you a little background of my life. I was born at South Victoria Hills in Salvador, uh, Bahamas, uh, on April 2nd, 1941. I was brought up in a Christian home, and the youngest in the family of 10, four boys and six girls. Our family left San Salvador in 1950 and moved to Nassau. I completed my technical uh, uh, schooling at the age of 17 and up to this point in my life, I attended church regularly, but had not received Jesus Christ as my personal savior and Lord. I was being pressured into being baptized, but I did not think that this was the right thing for me to do because I was not born again into the family of God. Now, what you need to, those of us here, I know that we know that we do not get baptized unless we are born again into the family of God. But some of the Baptist churches that I visited, once you attend church, they say, now it's time for you to baptize. But that, I knew that that was not right. However, afterwards, confusion set in for me. At this point in my life, I attended the church that my uh, father pastored uh, because it seemed to me the right thing to do, and he insisted, of course, that I attend the church that he pastored. But what, whenever it was a baptism, I got lost. I began uh, Num I begin to visit a number of different uh, uh, churches looking for a new experience. The more churches I visit, the more confused I became. I heard so much report about preachers, including my own father, uh, that I was very, very confused. When I look at the lifestyle of those who uh, profess to be Christians, I said to myself, if that's what Christianity is all about, I'm not doing too bad myself. It's not for me. I am not ready to become one. I was 
employed at Bahamas Telecommunications Corporation for several years. Uh, I know of members of the, the telecommunications staff that claim to have accepted Jesus Christ as their personal savior, but their lifestyle seemed to have changed for a short time. And after that, they were right back to where they were before. And to me, that was somewhat hypocritical. At th this particular point in my life, I lived in a world of pretense. My life living was one that I really pretended that everything was beautiful. I had saved a good sum of money for a young man my age. I just did whatever I wanted to. I continued to get the things I wanted, everything I wanted and needed, I, got, I bought a house, I bought a new car, I lived on a 48-foot cabin cruiser, which belonged to my two older brothers and myself. As someone so aptly put it, I had more money than sense. And, uh, it was none other than my brother. However, because of all my belongings and the things I own, I had uh, a number of friends, I thought. I held parties practically every other week on the yard. We would cruise around and we would spend time anchored at one of the lavish hotels. We uh, attracted a lot of tourists. Uh, the atmosphere on the yacht was nonstop, partying, eating, and drinking. Everyone was under the impression that I was the happiest young man around, but I was living in a world of pretense. I was uh, convicted by the fact that I was a cold, hard, lonely, empty person around. One night, on my way home from my, one of my cousin's house, after uh, I had taken them to a drive-in movie, I lost consciousness because I took the medication that I had for headache prior to me leaving the house. 
I had, I was going up Grandstown, and I was supposed to be on the left. I found myself on the right-hand side, and I run straight into an oncoming truck with several people in it. I was the only one in my car. But as a result, several of these individuals were sent to hospital. I was sent to hospital as a result of my head hitting the windshield and actually breaking the windshield. And I had a lot of pieces of glasses in my forehead. I didn't even realize at the time. I was taken to the hospital. I was taken care of. But a few days afterwards, I had to go back to a private clinic to have the pieces of glass out, taken out of my forehead. A few years uh, after the accident, I was sent to, as uh, by my employers, to Marsh Harbor Abaco uh, to restore telephone service there. It was Friday, January 3rd, 1975. And the holiday spirit was still in the air. I had a lot of plans for the rest of the holiday season. But really, what happened was that I felt, number one, I felt empty. My work and whatever I was in, involved in did not make much sense to me at all. But I love my work. I love working at Patelco. And I felt that the time that I spent on Abaco would actually do me good. I made plans to take someone along with me because I had been, well, from where I sat, I really didn't like to be alone at all. I always had to have friends with me. So I invited someone to go with me. But of course, I know now that the Lord had other plans for me. And the individual could not travel. While there, I completed my work in about two hours. But because Bahamas Air only flew to Abaco three times a week, there were no flights until Sunday, January 5th. I stayed at the Union Jack Hotel. At, the, at that time, Mr. Roger Sweeting was the manager. He noticed 
my despondent attitude and invited me to have a dinner with his family on Saturday, the 4th of January. With some reservation, I accepted his invitation. After dinner, we begin to talk about religion. I felt free to talk to him because I thought I wouldn't see him again, or at least for a long time. I told him how I was always searching and searching for something. I didn't quite put my head around it or my hand around it. And not long after I believed I, that I had found what I was looking for, I felt as empty as I could be. And I start hunting again over and over looking for what I felt was missing. As a young man, I trusted no one. I suspected everyone. Even when I became somewhat infatuated, it lasted only a few weeks, and I felt like I couldn't love anyone, and before you know it, I was looking for someone new. Roger Sweeting gave me a book to, to read by Nikki Cruz called Run, Baby, Run. After dinner, he took me back to the hotel. It was about 9 a.m., 9 p.m., sorry. And I started reading the book he gave me. I felt like it did more harm than what good. I was at the point where I did not want to hear anything about violence or anything to do with what I was involved with. And that's what the book was all about. At 9.30, I threw the book down. My head was hurting. I felt confused. I didn't know what to do at that point in my life, all the clubs were closed by nine o'clock, and I had 12 hours before my return to Nassau. To make matters worse, I did not sleep well the night before because I forgot to take my sleeping pills on the trip with me. 
I thought to myself, what am I going to do for 12 hours? Can't sleep. What to do? I looked around, and there on the nightstand was a Gideon Bible. Now, this Gideon Bible, I slept in the hotel room, and the Gideon Bible was there the night before, all day that day, but I never saw the Bible. And the Gideon Bible is a big Bible, and it's on the nightstand. But now it was time. I saw the Gideon Bible. The Gideon, uh, Mr. Uh, Cyril Cartwright, uh, Cecil Cartwright, Car uh, Paul Cartwright's father, an enthusiast, an enthusiastic uh, Gideon, had just placed the Bible to, during the Christmas season. No Bible was in the hotel, but he placed it there during the Christmas season, a week, just about a week before. I looked at the Bible because I wanted to occupy my time. I picked it up. I picked up the Bible in my hand. I turned it over and over. I fumbled with it because prior to that, I decide, you know, Frederick, you know a little bit about the Bible and I don't want you to turn to something you want to read. So I shut the light off prior to that. So I was in darkness. I fumbled with the Bible. I turned it over and over in my hand. And I felt lost, but I said, I've got to do something. I don't know, didn't know where to begin. So I got down on my knees beside the bed and said, if there is a God, I want you to convict me of my sin. Please, those of you who are hearing me might be unsaved. I am not recommending this to anyone. I seriously would like you to know that the Lord Jesus himself says, we should not put God to the test. So that was a test that I was putting God through. And I'm not recommending that for anyone. I was very ignorant to this fact, but God understood. And he met me at the point of my knees. I randomly opened, the light is still off, I randomly opened the Bible and I, the space that I found myself in was Matthew chapter seven, verse one. I'd like you to turn there for me, please. 
May I say this? At Matthew chapter 27, verse 5 was just uh, about 20 something chapters away. So I could have easily opened this Bible to Matthew chapter 27, verse 5, that says, Then Judas, threw the money down, or the coins down in the temple, and he went out and hung himself. That could have very well be the chapter I turn to, but God's grace is sufficient. It was Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, and it was the story of my life. It says, do not judge, or you too will be judged. For the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. In other words, the same way I was judging all the other people that I had or came in contact with was the same way God was prepared to judge me had I not come to the place in my life and accept his free gift. But there are some other verses that challenge me. Romans chapter 14, verse 4, that says, Who are you to judge someone else? Servant. In other words, who are you to judge the Lord's servant? To his master. He stands or he falls, and he will stand for the Lord is able to make him stand. I, I, do you get that? In other words, what I was looking at, in spite of those things, God was able to make that individual or individuals stand as to compare with me. James 5, 9 says, do not grumble, brothers, against your brother, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Jesus is definitely soon to come back. I don't know, it could be before I finish this, or it could be 10 years from now, I don't know, no one knows. But I guarantee you it's not near as long as it has been. Then it goes on to say, verse three, Matthew seven, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eyes and pay no attention to the plank or beam in your own eyes. 
Now, if I have a beam in my eyes, how can I see the speck in my brother's eyes? I can't see past the beam. God was speaking to me, believe it or not. And I was convicted because I was looking at the speck in the other people's eyes, but could not see the beam or the log in my own eyes. Romans 2.2 says, now we know that God's judgment, that God's judgment, these are, these do, these who do such things are based on truth. He, in other words, God's judgment is true. Verse three, so when you, a mere man, that's the part I want to get through, get to. When you, a mere man, passes judgment, then, do the same things. You pass judgment, but you are doing the very thing you are judging them for. It says, do you think that he or you will escape God's wrath? And I was doing the same things I was judging the other people for. These verses seem to have been the story of my life. I was always condemning others, looking for their faults or faults in their lives. Matthew chapter 7 really challenged me. Verses 7 to 14 continues. And Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you, and I want you to think about this this morning, which of you, if you have a son or a daughter and you go home and they ask for bread, will you give him a stone? Verse 10. Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a snake? Just think about that. James 1.17 says again, every good and perfect, perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of light, or the heavenly light, who does not change like 
shifting sand. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more our Heavenly Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Verse 12, so in everything you do, and everything, do to others what you would have them do unto you. For this sums up the whole law and the prophet. Then it goes on. Do you think it was speaking to me? Knowing my lifestyle now that I told you? It says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. In other words, the wide road leads to destruction. Verse 14. But Small is the gate, narrow is the way. Or narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few finds it. I continue to read until midnight. Then I close the Bible Turned off the light again, fell on my knees before God with much weeping, feeling sorrow, sorry for my sin, and believing that God was willing and able to forgive me for my sins. I can't remember the prayer that I prayed, but I remember this because this was a part of a, a, a song. Take my life and let it be. Consecrated Lord to thee. Take my moments and my days and let me live it in ceaseless praise. I was at that point I accepted Jesus Christ as Lord of my life because I knew he had forgiven me. I was challenged with the fact that at the age of 33 Jesus had finished his work and I was 33 and I didn't even accept him as Lord of my life. These were the little things that I didn't even think about before. But at 12.30, I was forgiven. I had no idea how much guilt of sin that I had been carrying around 
until God forgave me. It was as if someone literally lifted 150 pounds off my shoulders. I begin to praise God. When I got up to lie down, I didn't realize how much time I had spent. But while in my bed, it, it felt as if I was literally floating because of the excess weight that was taken off me. And I remember taking my right hand, trying to put it between my back and the bed, but I was lying flat on the mattress. So I knew I wasn't floating. I can't remember when I fell to sleep because I had problems sleeping. I can't remember when I fell to sleep, but I went off to sleep. And when I woke up, I was still praising God, giving him thanks for his grace and his mercies. The next morning, I got ready and I ran to Mr. Sweeting, which was just down the street from the hotel where our church was because he pastored a church. I didn't know that until I had dinner with him. He took me into the church and we went in and gave God thanks for saving my soul. I returned to Nassau the next, on January 5th, and I visited all the so-called friends and told them about how I met Christ. Because I asked myself a question, what were all these people doing who were born again in the family of God? I'm gonna go and change the world. That was all I could see. I know I was a new man, but one thing I didn't realize, we are told it's not by might nor by power, but by my Holy Spirit, says the Lord. In other words, we can't do anything without Christ. We cannot. So, I spoke, I was a new man as I indicated, they were all shocked. My friends, who I went to one after the other, and I told them what had happened, but they never said a mumbling word. In other words, uh, you had something that knocked you out, and you come back here trying to convince us. Well. I went to my family afterwards, and I told them. But they didn't believe. They said, you know, we'll give you a few weeks, and you will be right back to where you were before. Eating, drinking, and carousing. 
I am happy to say this morning, not on any strength of my own, but I can thank God because it has been 47 years and I have no regrets. After leaving my family and friends, that Sunday evening I came and I sat the four, in the fourth seat from the back on my left hand side. Evangelist Kent Campbell was the visiting speaker. I can't remember what he spoke on, but I knew I had to do something. So during the altar call, I came down, the only one that Sunday night, and this church was packed. The only one walked down those aisles and came to the front. Brother Ron Springle came down behind me. We went into the, uh, a room in the back and I shared my story with him. We prayed and he gave God, God thanks. What is God doing in my life now that I, cha I changed my life around because of God's grace and mercies? After coming to know the Lord, I spent three years at the Bahamas Baptist Bible Institute equipping myself to share God's word. Dr. Ari Cooper and Dr. Paul Early was my teachers, and I brought Brother Early here many times to preach the word of God. Uh, during that period. I graduated May 17, 1979. God was continuing to work in and through my life and the life of others. The three ladies that I told you, well, I didn't tell you they were ladies, but the three friends that I went to and, and shared uh, my God story, they came to know the Lord as their personal savior. And I give God thanks for that. In 1983, I became the board member for Calvary Bible Church. Later, in 1986, I joined Calvary Bible Church as assistant to Pastor Morris Russell. I was ordained on the 24th of September, 1989. I had the pleasure of serving as director for Scripture Union in the Bahamas for five years. I also 
uh, held the post of Gideon Bible Secretary for a number of years. I serve as chairman for the Bahamas Billy Graham for 32 years. I serve as director of the Christian Counseling Center for 36 years. In April 2021, I retired from Calvary Bible Church officially. However, I am still involved in the church ministry and I and I uh, uh, do the same at the Christian Counseling Center. I volunteer there also. God bless me with one and only love I know in my lifetime, my beautiful wife, Helen Arnett. For 41 years, God gave us three children, Deborah, Frederick II, and Matthew. I don't know how long the Lord is going to have me here, but I pray that in his grace and mercies, I will be found faithful because we are hid with Christ in God. Listen to me. No one can snatch you out of their hands. The hand of God the Father, the hand of Jesus Christ, the hand of the Holy Spirit. You know, you know that God don't have hands, right? But According to God's word, no one can snatch us out of his hand. I will close with this, and forgive me for running over. I would like to say that the Lord Jesus helped me to find, to be found faithful. to the end of my life on earth. And one day, I hope to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the law, into the joy of thy Lord. Thank you. Shall we pray? Our Father, this morning, I pause because I know that you are the God of our salvation. You are in control of every situation. And Lord, maybe there is someone under the sound of my voice this morning who is going through practically the same thing that I went through. Lord, draw them to yourself. Help them to see that you are the God of our salvation and there is nothing
too hard for you. If we confess our sins, you said, and I believe you did it for me and you did it for countless billions of people. If we confess our sins, you are faithful, you are just, you will forgive our sins and you will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you for your grace. And I pray that if someone feels that they need to talk to me, I'll be down front. Come, I'd love to have a word with you if you feel that the Lord has spoken to you. Thank you. God bless you. Amen.